all of the seeds, everything that was sown, I tell you what, we receive, we do not take that for granted. We receive, we pray, we believe God that you will receive an abundance of harvest in return. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on and give God some praise. Amen. We are... Our anniversary comes up on the uh, 17th, but we, we won't be here um, for the anniversary. Amen. We'll be in the Bahamas. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. High five. Glory to God. Amen. And we're, we're excited about, about that. And we thank God for you sowing the seed. That there, there, there's a principle that we believe in in this kingdom called the method of the kingdom is sowing and reaping. Amen. And, and it's very important that when you understand that principle in, in, in a sow-up form, which means that anytime I sow into my leaders, I have to understand my leaders are like a coffee cup, and I'm like a saucer. That if God begins to fill my leaders up and overflow, it has to land on me. The overflow has to land on me. That's one of the surest ways to make sure that you uh, you begin to get uh, some spill on you. Amen. Look at somebody and say, get some spill on you. Amen. Glory to God. Today is our culture shift service. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Somebody shout culture shift. Amen. For those of you, if this is your first time fellowshipping with us during a culture shift service, just raise your hand in the air if you would. If this is your first time with a culture shift service. Amen. Our culture shift service, we started culture shift, um, it's been a year now. Amen. That we started culture shift and we started it to impact relationships and marriages. We wanted to make sure that we got correct principles and correct truths to apply in our homes so that our homes can be healthy. Healthy churches come from healthy families. Healthy families come from healthy individuals. Amen. Glory to God. So we didn't want the ministry to look healthy. And then when you go home, your house is not healthy. But we wanted to present an opportunity where the spirit of God can teach, lead, guide, and give us the principles that we need so that we can, um, so that we can be healthy in our homes and healthy in the ministry. Amen. 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 So we started Culture Shift a year ago, and this is our first time at the year end of it. And we decided today, rather than have a particular subject, we've had some very good subjects. I don't know which one of your favorite, but we're going to have those packaged in a packaged CD and also in a packaged USB in the upcoming in January, February, in February, where we have our um, Culture Shift conference um, um, family and relationship conference we're going to have an opportunity to have that so that you can get those messages um, uh, loving you is hurting me is one of those messages uh, another one of those messages was love don't pay the bills glory I don't know which one was your favorite friend or foe who did I marry my friend or my foe oh I didn't marry them I didn't marry, that's probably my favorite. I didn't marry a dummy. What was the first one? Uh, 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 it slips my mind right now. Uh, uh, the first one. Say it again. Don't start none, don't be none was a good one as well. Glory to God. Don't start none, don't be none about conflict resolution. Uh, well, I can't think of the first one at the moment, but I mean, we just had some great services with coaching 
Anybody's been blessed by these culture shift opportunities? Amen. Glory to God. We're going to continue to plow away at hard and fallow ground. You know that when you've been practicing principles in your mind, in your life, and in your relationship since forever, that sometimes it takes time to adjust to the new information that God is presenting. So that's what we want to give an opportunity to, to present so that we can grow in relationship. Amen. Amen. Now to everybody that is in here today, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, just wave your hand at me if you're married. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is a blessed opportunity for you. Um, Even if your spouse is not here with you at the moment, that's fine. That's fine. But it's a blessed opportunity because you get some correct principles to apply. You cannot expect your marriage to be better if you're not going to look for better things to use. We're like Papa John's. Amen. Better pizza. Better ingredients. He don't listen. She don't, don't try. try. That was the first one. That was the first one. I think that may have been my favorite one. He don't listen. She don't try. Amen. Glory to God. And and we'll have all of those messages. If you don't have a copy of any of those messages, Tim, just raise your hand for me if you would. Tim will be back there. He and Jairon will be back there in the sound booth to be able to assist you with any of those messages. You, should, you can just go to them and say, give me something to help me. Amen. And they, 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 uh, uh, they, they'll, they'll treat that like a pharmacy, amen. I think that's a good analogy. They treat the, uh, better, they treat the, uh, the, the sound booth area as a pharmacy to give you a prescription. That's better than saying treat it as a trap house, amen. Treat it as a pharmacy. Amen. You know they're going to hand it, exchange glory to God, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You never know what's going to come out your vision, my Amen. So today what we want to do, last culture shift, we had everybody to write down questions on index cards and get an opportunity to answer these questions. We told you we were going to come back and deal with these questions. And we had to narrow it down to some categories because a lot of the questions were the same. And uh, hey, I had some questions too. Ooh, it was some, it was some, some real it, it, questions. It, it, was, it was hard to choose what questions we were going to use and what category. So if we, we skipped over your question, hopefully we, we, we answer it by dealing with the subject in that category. So we want to make sure that we're doing that part. Amen. So today we're going to jump into that. Now I want you to write something down very quickly. And this is our saying, and this will always be our saying. Marriage is all about adjustments. What does that statement mean, First Lady? It means that you you will be adjusting to your spouse for the rest of your life, for as long as you're married. The minute that you refuse to adjust is the minute you're headed to divorce. Oh, amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It said that the, she said the minute you, 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 you refuse to adjust is the minute you turn your path down the direction of heading towards divorce. And if you're in here today and you're not married and you're just in a relationship or if you're in here today and you're single, there's still going to be some good stuff. Amen. Because sometimes we get in a relationship or we get in marriage and we're saying, all right, now I need you to fix me. Amen. Mm-hmm. When I could have been working on me before I got into it with somebody else. Somebody say amen. amen. 
If you're in this room today and you're divorced, amen, glory to God. We don't have nails, hammers, a cross to nail you to any cross behind you being divorced. You don't have to hold your head down. You don't have to feel like you're nothing or nobody. All you have to do is make the proper adjustments so that you can begin to choose a capable, qualified spouse as well as work on yourself so that you can be a capable and qualified spouse to make sure that it works. God is a God of grace. Somebody say he's a God of grace. Amen. Glory to God. So we're going to begin today. I want to pull out a scripture and I believe it's Proverbs chapter 11. If I'm not mistaken, I want to pull out a scripture. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want to pull out a scripture. I think it's Proverbs chapter 11. I I, I may be wrong. Let me double check for a second. I, I know it's in Proverbs, but I believe it's in chapter chapter 11. Chapter 11. Glory to God. It is chapter 11. Amen. Glory to God. In verse 12, that's what I want to look at. Verse 12 and 13. Verse 12, 13 and 14. I want to use verse 12, 13 and 14 just as a, a launching pad or a foundation to deal with to deal with what we're talking about today. Amen. A launching pad and a foundation. Watch what it says in verse 12. He that is void of wisdom despised his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Listen to what it said. When you don't have wisdom... You, you take your neighbor for granted. You put your neighbor down. Now, your neighbor is not always somebody that live next door to you. Sometimes your neighbor is somebody that live with you. Yeah. Amen. And the person that is without wisdom take their spouse for granted. And they spend all of their time thinking about the negatives about their spouse and the, and the way they can put their spouse down rather than how can I lift my spouse up and what is my spouse adding to my life. The next one in verse 13 says, a tale bearer, a tale bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceal, concealeth the matter. Now, I want to again tell you that sometimes when we apply scripture, we're always looking outside of our home to apply these scriptures. I don't want you to look outside of your house. I want you to look in your house. Mm-hmm. Listen to what it says. A talebearer is somebody that go exposing. But a person of a faithful spirit is a person that covers. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Amen. Sometimes we're a better friend to people that are outside of our home than to the people that are in our house. Y'all with me right now? Yeah. Sometimes because, I mean, we, we, we'll go and we'll talk to our coworkers about how crazy our wife acts. And, and, and you're going to talk to your girlfriends about how crazy your husband acted. And you'll just get to expose it. All kind of weaknesses and insecurities and fears and all of these things. And you'll just go and expose and expose and expose. When this scripture says the person of a faithful spirit concealeth the man. I'm called to cover her, not uncover her. I'm not called to make her feel weak. I'm not called to, to, to make her feel intimidated. I'm not called to manipulate her. I'm not called to control her. I'm called to cover her. So even if there is a weakness, you will never know about it. Amen. 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 She'll look like the strongest person in the world to you because I'm called to I'm called that if the enemy is shooting, I'm called to take the arrows first. Any man that is in this house that don't want to take the arrows first is a man that has put their wife in the front to lead. Amen. You got to be the one to take the response. If the ship is going down, you can't blame the crew. I remember when uh, they were having, I think it was a Norwegian cruise that, that, that was in Italy and they, um, they, 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 they crashed 
they crashed into the shore and the ship began to sink. Yeah. The Norwegian cruise and the then the captain got off. The captain the captain dived off the ship. I mean, save yourself. We're in the ocean. Save yourself. The captain dived off the ship, amen, and and, and swam um, and, and, and well, how have he made it to safety? And when he made it to safety, they were right there waiting for him to arrest him. Yeah. It is a crime to be the captain of a ship and leave everybody else on it. Yeah. Did y'all just see what I said? Yeah. So if this ship is sinking, I got to take the credit. Yeah. I mean, I got to take the blame. I got to shoulder the responsibility. I got to say, all right, I, I can't just keep pushing it to my wife and saying, well, if she would do this and if she would do that, and if she'll stop wearing all these clothes to bed, then everything would be all right. I mean, you know, you, you got to start thinking as a man, you got to start thinking, what can I do to save my house? Amen. Because if I can't save the ship, then I need to save the people on it. You was about to say something first, like hmm? I was just amen. Amen. So we'll go into verse 14. 14. This is the one I really want to get to. Where no counsel is, the people fall. I want to clear up a myth very quickly. A myth is this. Listen to me. This is a myth, a lie. We have in our minds. That if I need counseling, I'm weak. Mm, the devil is a lie. If I need counseling, I'm weak. Let me kill that. You're not weak. You're wise. Yes. And you don't always have to wait until things are bad. You can sometimes just show up when things are good and talk with your spouse and say, babe, let's go get some counseling. Let's go. Let's go get some counseling. I mean, was something wrong. No, nothing's wrong. I just want things to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things evolve and they grow and your marriage has to grow because your spouse is growing. And if you're not growing with your spouse, then your marriage is not growing. And sometimes counseling can help that. This scripture just said that when you are just going off your own understanding and your philosophy and what you think is the only thing. That is taking place in your house. Your marriage will end up sinking. Where there is no counsel. It says this. Where there is no counsel. The people do what? Fall. Fall. But in the multitude of counselors. There is safety. Welcome to coachship. Because that's where we are. The multitude of counselors. Today we're going to have a question and answer based on your questions. These are not subjects that we came up with. These are subjects that we heard from the Lord on which ones we should choose, what we should do, and how we should lay it out. We got some real important questions. So I hope y'all bear with us right now because we're going to try to give the best answers that we can to the questions you provided us with last culture shift. Y'all ready? Say I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. First question that we want to attack today. I apologize. We didn't introduce ourselves. We normally would have people on the stage. My name is Dr. Young and this is my wife and I'm proud to be her husband. My name is Dr. Young and this is my husband. I'm proud to be his wife. Amen. And not only are we uh, are we pastors, but we are actually counselors as well. So can I do a commercial real quick? Let me do a plug right quick, Pastor uh-huh. Robinson. For those of you that may need counseling in any area, we have a counseling um, practice, which is uh, entitled uh, Solutions Counseling. In case you didn't know, Solutions Counseling. We provide holistic counseling, addiction therapy, grief therapy, uh, depression, anxiety, um, life coaching, um, uh, marriage, uh, 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 interpersonal personal relationship, uh, marriage therapy, as well as crisis intervention, um, um, youth uh, behavior therapy, cognitive behavior therapy. If 
If you have a problem, this is our motto. If you have a problem, we have a solution. We have a solution. So if you need solution counseling, you can just write down these numbers very quickly. 225-439-4776. We're paying our bills. Or 225-313-7785. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Now, we're going into Coach Jim. Here's our first question. How do I deal? Oh, how did that come first? <laughs> how did I? How do I deal with an in-law that has shown me two sides of themselves? How do I deal with an in-law? I'm taking that the question is saying that the in-law is um, um, friendly before they got married, or friendly at some point, and then behind their back, or later on they changed. Or um, hopefully, I'm interpreting the question right. Uh, in-law that has shown two sides of himself. First, let me start off and say this. In-laws are important. You've been told in a relationship that in-laws are not important. They are. They're just not most important. Amen. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. Your in-laws are important. They're your, 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 your spouse, siblings, and relatives. And so they are important. So you can't, you have to be careful not to attack in-laws. In your house, you have to be careful not to attack in-laws. Uh, but they're important; they're just not most important. They're not more important than your spouse. So I'm gonna bring out that point right there. And I'm gonna turn it over to you right quick, since you were about to say something. Amen. I'm, 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 I'm gonna bring out that point right there that they are important, and it's a delicate situation. Sometimes in-laws can be hard to deal with. Well, y'all quiet with me today. I mean, first of all, they think they know it all. Let me look at these faces. Look at the face while I'm talking, baby. <laughs> Amen. We'll, they, they'll show you by their face who it is. Amen. First, I mean, they, they, they think they know it all. Then they want to control everything. They want to run your house. They can't even run their own house, oh, right? Y'all quiet. <laughs> always want information. And I always got to, if I was you. Come on, somebody talk to me. Y'all quiet. I don't think that person they wrote that question here. Oh no. Amen. But we're not we're not gonna tell. We don't Y'all don't have in laws like that? We don't even know who in laws that, 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 that so I always say amen. In laws that invite themselves to your house. Oh Lord. Ooh, don't do that. Amen. Can't hide where it hurt. <laughs> I'm finding that person in a minute. Amen. In-laws, in, in listen, listen to me clearly, because this is an important subject. I'm just trying to make sure that I everybody understands what the question is about in-laws. In-laws that, uh, that, that, that always take from your house, never add to it. Always need money. Always need a ride. Always need anything, but can't add any happiness or any help or any hope to your home. In-laws that give bad advice. Yeah. In-laws that suck up all the family time. Mm-hmm. In-laws. Somebody say amen. amen. So now that we get, got, got, how do I deal with an in-law that has shown me two sides of themselves? Uh, how do you deal with your in-laws? I love my in-laws. Uh, nobody has shown me anything different from the first, since the first time I met them, so it's good. But, this question, I did meditate on it last night. And the first um, answer the Holy Spirit gave me was, I would deal with them the way that I deal with anybody else, dealing with difficult people. Uh, Jesus had three ways that he dealt with difficult people. And it was silence. It was, um, he told them a story. And 
I'm sorry. I always got notes. He tend to overthink everything. Um, he asked some questions. So, it's, it's like if you're dealing with a difficult person, sometimes you, you may need just to be quiet and maybe pray in the spirit because you don't want what's coming to your mind to come out of your mouth. Amen. <laughs> Number two, you might ask questions like, how did you get like that? I think it's the dude on uh, Instagram that said, you acting real different right now. What happened to you? How did you get like that? What happened to you? Uh, shout out to <laughs> What made you like that? Yeah, what made you like that? So sometimes it may take uh, you trying to get an understanding of that person. That may be somebody that God wants you to minister to. You know, you try to understand that person. And then the third way that Jesus dealt with difficult people is he told stories. He told them a story or a parable. Um, I remember the um, when David and Bathsheba situation, when the prophet came and told him a story about uh, a sheep that was taken from the man. That, and that's all he had. Yeah. And then David got real offended, but he didn't realize that the story was about him. Oh, Oh. But it brought it to his attention and it began to open his eyes about his own behavior. So just because they are in law doesn't mean that they may not need ministering to or understanding. You, you, you have to understand that your in-laws are family. And just like you got some people in your family that's hard to deal with, you got some people in your spouse family that's hard to deal with. The first thing I would say is dealing with the in-laws to realize you can't change people. The sooner you accept an in-law for who they are, is the sooner that you will be at peace with how they act. Hallelujah. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yep. As long as I'm in denial that you don't like me like that, as long as I'm in denial, I'm offended every time I come around. But once I realize, say, okay, we don't have to be the best of friends, but let me just go ahead and extend myself and be cordial and, and offer my... See, I don't have to treat my in-law like an outlaw. She talked about the three ways Jesus deal with difficult people, and that's very important. I want to talk about the four categories of people. You know, in the Bible, it talks about four different categories, and I shared this once before. It talks about uh, neighbors. It talks about brothers or sisters. Um, and, and it talks about uh, enemies. Then it talks about friends. Well, the Bible tells us how to deal with all, all four categories. It says, love your enemies. So how am I supposed to treat my enemies? Love them. And then it says this, for a friend loveth at all times. How am I supposed to treat my friends? Love them. And then it says, love your neighbors. How am I treat my neighbors? Love them. And then it said that you are to love one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. So how am I supposed to uh, treat a brother or sister? Love them. In every category, I'm supposed to love them. It doesn't matter. I'm supposed to love them in such a way that they don't even know what category they're in. Y'all hear me? That they may be an enemy or they may be a, 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 a just a neighbor. And, and the whole time, I, I love them in such a way that you can't. Jesus was at the uh, Last Supper. And as he was at the Last Supper, his disciples were sitting around with him. And as they were sitting around with him, they didn't know who was going to betray him. He said, when are you going to betray him? And watch what they did. He walked in love with everybody to such an extent that they all turned to each other and said, Lord, is it I? Yeah. They couldn't even pick out in the group who was going to betray him. Now, if that had been us, we'd have, we'd have gave signs of who our enemy was. I bet you it's Peter because she never talked to Peter. Never have nothing to say. I mean, I'm talking about, look at them. They, they always never like any of Peter's pics. 
It got to be Peter. No, Jesus never showed any difference in dealing with. Now, he didn't bring everybody into his inner circle. Peter, James, and John came there. The rest of them didn't come. Judas was never found in an intimate place with Jesus until it was time for Jesus to die. So it didn't mean that he brought the wrong person into his circle. It just means that he loved them where he was at such an extent that you couldn't even tell. So I may never take you out with me to eat and we may never go shoot pool and we may never do that. But when we are around each other, you won't be able to tell that I don't care about you or I don't love you like that because I'm going to express it like that. Amen. I said care about you. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. They don't want me around. Because sometimes in a relationship, that can start becoming a split in your house. Never listen to me. Let, let me help you out. Never let in-law problems become a problem in your house. Amen. Number one, number one, calm your spouse down and reassure your spouse. Listen, I love my family, but nobody will ever be more important to me than you. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to go around. You can't expect me to turn my back on my family. I'm not going to do that. But I have to reassure you to tell you that. Nobody will ever come before you. You're the first person in my life. If you don't want that, don't get married. If you don't want your spouse to be first, do not get married. Marry your family. Amen. Marry your family. (laughs) Because, I mean, if you don't want your spouse to be first, marry your family. And when you're off, I mean, this is not a part of the question, but I might as well deal with it. When you're out at a family event and your spouse is not there, never let your family degrade your spouse in your presence. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, stop that junk. Amen. I substituted junk for stuff. Amen. Y'all, y'all, stop that mess. Stop that right there. Amen. Don't let nobody, nobody, nobody in my family will ever be able to come tell me something and talk to me about, you know what, that's your wife. You know, she always acting funny. No, no I mean, man, I lose it. No more spades finna be played here. I'd be like Jesus turning over tables. <laughs> <laughs> for real. I'm serious. Because you, you, you have to get to that point. Because if you never stand up for your spouse, then they won't know. You teach your family how to treat your spouse. Amen. You might want to write that down. I teach my family how to treat my spouse. That's a good point. Um, because we are, we're up here talking about love them, <clears throat> how Jesus dealt with difficult people. But some people are probably sitting out there saying, okay, how to love them then. How you love them is to set boundaries. Mm. Don't become uh, a jelly bag or a jellyfish or be soft and just let them walk over you or run over you. Not say... You know, you have a limit and there's a line and here's where we're going to stop the line. Uh, coming over to my house every day when you want to. If you don't like that, hey, buddy, call me before you come over here. And <laughs> because, you know, they need to know. And that's a part of loving them because if they don't respect you and if you don't set those boundaries to have them to respect you, then they'll walk all over you. Amen. That goes for friends as well. Yeah. Amen. That's not just family members. That's friends as well. Glory to God. Listen, I wouldn't marry somebody that I wouldn't want to be best friends with. I don't care who my friends were before I got married. This becomes my best friend to me. 
This becomes my best friend because this is the person that's about to see my frailties, about to see my insecurities, to see the areas I need to grow in, to see my development, to pray with me, to lay with me, to be with me. This is the person that when I'm not at my strongest or at my best, they still have to lay in the bed and love me. So why wouldn't I want to share everything with them? And why wouldn't I want to do that? And why would I want to put somebody else before them? So you got to set boundaries. You got to say, all right, listen to me. I'm bro, listen, now this family time. I remember that it was times that we wanted to go out and do stuff. And I was always quick about, can we find somebody? Man, we don't have nobody to go out with us. And you had to stop and say, listen, we don't need people to go out with us all the time. Yeah. We can just go do something together. And I was just like, I mean, I just don't want a bunch of people around. Listen, I don't look. I thought everybody was going to eat the chips. I mean, why don't all of us just go out and, and have fun? I mean, that's what I was thinking. And, and she was just like, no, sometimes I just want to go just me and you. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to go shoot pool. I know it sounds crazy. I mean, we don't need other couples all the time. Sometimes it just want to be us. Yeah. And that's when you learn to don't be married so long that you stop dating. Yeah, some of you going to add to that? No, never stop dating. No. All right, we're going to go to the next question. I think we handled that question. You think we handled that question pretty good? Amen. All right, that's a good place for that. All right, the next question. Number two, how do I stop giving myself to somebody who's really not worth it? Oh. Oh. Ooh-wee. First of all, first of all, let me, uh, mm. <laughs> All right, this culture shift, and I know that we have some kids in here that are that are thirteen and above. Amen. We rather you get it from us than BET. So, yeah. <laughs> let me just let me just be real. First of all, the question itself seems worded a little different. The question doesn't say how do I determine if this person is really worth it. It says how do I stop giving myself to someone who's really not worth it, which means that I know the person is not worth it. I just can't stop loving you. Oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ah, that's tough. All right, there's a number of reasons why you can't stop. All right, first reason. First reason is that person gives you a, a sense of validation. And you can never begin to hand over that responsibility of validation to somebody else. You can't hand it to your wife, your husband, your friend, or, or a guy, or a girl, or anything like that. You can't let another person make you feel valid. When I'm with you, I feel like, and I feel like, and I can't imagine. Stop saying stuff like that, that uh, I can't live without you. Yes, you can. I love my wife, but I can live without her. Why, can I tell you what that means? I'm not going to yeah. die. I'm not going to die. Look at somebody say, I'm not going to die. Yeah. Amen. See, you say stuff like that so much until you psychologically program yourself to be dependent. And to the extent that you, you don't even know how your brain works. In your brain, it begins to, by your thoughts, you release chemicals. And your love for that person becomes a drug. You become chemically dependent. And they lie on you and they cheat and cheat on you and they, 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 they fight you and they don't want you and, and you know it. It's just you're chemically dependent. And, and the, the drug of, we, 
Get rid of that stuff of oh, we only break up to make up. No, you can make love without fighting. You ain't gotta you ain't gotta break up to make up. No. I mean you, you ain't gotta do that. So another reason, that's validation. The second reason why it is so difficult to break free from a toxic relationship. It is being concerned what others think about you. It's quiet in this place. I am not giving anybody a license to just say it's over. What I'm saying is you have to make up in your mind. I'm in this relationship because of me. I'm not concerned about what my mama going to think, what my daddy going to think, what my family going to think, what my siblings are going to think, or what the people around me are going to think. I want to be happy for myself. I want to be holy for myself. I want to be a help meter. I want to be a leader in the home for myself, not for anybody else. So it's hard for you to break away if you have if you're dependent on that person for validation or if you got everybody else looking up to you. You expect me because you put on this picture of being the best relationship ever that people won't let you won't let you live down from that, that, that you struggle about what people going to think. See, you're not happy. And help me out, church. The next reason why it's hard to, to break free for somebody that's really not worth it. You ready? Sex. When you add sex to the equation, I'm talking to single people now. When you add sex to the equation, your vision gets blurred. You don't notice the abuse and you don't notice the, uh, uh, the lack of compatibility. Man, compatibility is so important. It's so important. We never talk about that in church, Pastor, but we always want to get people married. And we almost want to marry them off to the first person that they that, that smile in church. The first person that got five teeth in their Bible, we just want to just marry them off to him. This the one, this the one sister, marry him. You ought to marry him. He got all his fronts. Marry him. No. No. It has, it has to be more than that. I mean, it has to be more. That's a good job. That's a good family. No, it has to be more than that. Are you guys compatible? Because you're going to get down the line and you're just going to bump heads all the time. All the time. We're compatible. I mean, I'm a very, 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 I said very three times, affectionate person. I am. My love language is um, physical touch and words of affirmation. Her love language is um, physical touch and receiving gifts and physical touch. Uh, so our compatibility is, is, is never time when I'm on the couch sitting down, she wants to sit up under me on the couch. I love that. She don't have to buy me nothing. She don't. Have, it's just her being herself. That's compatibility. See, we overlook stuff like that, and then we end up arguing. We're twelve years in the marriage, and say you've never come over here and sit by me. Well, I ain't been sitting by you for the twelve for the past twelve years. So when you add sex to the equation, your vision gets blurred, and you don't you don't you, 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 your your ability to make sound decisions get blurred, and it's hard to break free. So if you want to be able to think with a sound mind, this is for single people. You want to think with a sound mind, hold off. And if you can hold off, hold off as long as you can then. Now, I'm not telling you to go do it. What I'm saying is you just hold off because something may happen that'll stop you from getting to that place. If you can't hold off for good, just hold off as long as you can. And glory to God, show them something in the holding period, Lord. 
And you might be saying to yourself, see, I, the next week was going to be the week. I was going to fall week, but you showed me this. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this now. <laughs> Glory to God. You see, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Uh, go ahead. Add to that. Add to that. Oh, that question. How do I stop giving myself to someone who's really not worth it? You realize that you are worth it. You're worth the weight. You're, you're worth everything that you deserve. Um, you're worth somebody loving you for you. You're worth someone, I, I don't want to say working, but just putting the effort, putting forth the effort to show you that you're the one I want to be with. Um, I think giving yourself away as a woman, sometimes we look at a man and he looks good to us. We don't know anything about him, but he looked good. And we see him and we, we say, we imagine ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We imagine ourselves walking down the aisle with that man. I mean, it's like we, we only met him 10 minutes ago. We imagine how our children going to look. Hold on. Tell Am I right? right? I'm talking about women really be doing that? <laughs> our kids will be Hold too. Up. Hold on. First of all, let me tell you how a man thinks. A man is not thinking about nothing. A man thinking about what he gonna go eat with her. Well, I mean, where we gonna eat at? I mean, that, he's thinking of the next thing, and, he, and if he and he may be thinking about. I mean, man, I mean, she's fine. I mean, he's not thinking about kids. He's not thinking about marriage. He's not thinking about we that far off on our thought process. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. But what wow. you have to do in those moments, you have to slow yourself down, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes because he can look like the best thing since sliced bread and just come and wreck your life. So you have to keep that at the forefront and say, I'm not going to rush into this. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch. You know, I'm going to observe. Because as a lady, that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be putting forth all the effort. I saw um, a post last night that says, Queens don't chase. Because if we do, our crown will fall off. We don't chase, we sit on that seat and we look at the man and see who's worthy we're not chasing after men so don't do that don't feel pressure society these days society these days has us thinking that if we're single something is wrong nothing is wrong the dating process in the Bible is a courting process. A man is supposed to court you. During that courting process, you see what he, what he's made of. You see who he is. You see um, his morals and his beliefs. And his, his work standard, ethic. His work ethic and what he when lives he go to by. Work, when he keep a job. Yes. So when you when you forfeit that process and you just dive in and like, oh, um, he told me he didn't want to be in a relationship, but I'm gonna change his mind. Time out. They really think y'all. I mean, y'all really think like that. Oh, he said that he just want to be friends, but once, once I, once we, you knew that. Oh, he don't want to marry. No, he not. And then on the other end, he said he just saying that. No, no, I, I told you we were just gonna be friends. If anything, that really you just etched yourself out. One and done. That's right. You scratched yourself off the list. What they say now? Another body. Just thought about it. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> Kelsey taught me this. <laughs> so <All right>. you're, <laughs> you're hearing all this stuff in church, but it's it's important that when you walk out of the door, you keep that in mind. So that when he calls you and say, hey, baby, what's up? Say, my first lady said, uh-uh. <laughs> say, what? <laughs> when he calls you with that deep voice, hey, baby, what you doing? What? What? <laughs> 
And if he still want to talk to you after that, then you say, okay, what's up? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, she just hit y'all to the game because uh, we didn't know y'all had already mapped out y'all whole life and and then talking about I'm going to change his mind. I can change his mind once he get to know me. He going to want me. Men want you when they meet you. If they don't want you, then there's a slim chance of that man changing to that. So you don't have, don't waste your time on people that don't want you. Amen. Don't waste your time on people that don't want you. I mean, you waste your time, your energy, your good ideas, your good years. Before you know it, you're 40 years old and... Now you trying to, and there's nothing wrong with being 40 and trying, no, nothing wrong with being 40 and 50 and then getting started, no, ain't nothing wrong with that. But before you know it, because you've wasted so many years on people that didn't deserve it. That's true. And I think the point that you made was very important, that you are worth it. You got to know you're worth it. How do I know to stop giving myself to someone who's not worth it? I become worth it. I'm worth more. Yes. And if I'm worth more, quit being a thrift store or a pawn shop where you, where you negotiate the, the price. Hmm. No, it ain't no price. When we when, when we walked into um 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 the Louis Vuitton store and um um in in, in, in the Galleria in uh, um Houston, and my wife my wife walked up to a scarf, and she was like, "I like this," and I was like, "Me, I mean, it's a scarf." So I was like, um, "I got a couple of dollars in my pocket." I was like, "Man, you should get that." And then she was like, "I don't know." And she walked over there and she looked at a purse and she said, "I like it." It was that pink purse with that python on it. Oh, she I said, remember. She said, "I like it." Oh, 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 oh I'm gonna get it for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm believing God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. This one of the purse you gotta believe God for. Amen. <laughs> so when she got it, she was like, "Get it." And I was like, "All right, Johnny, that's gonna be at least about good seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars for that purse." Um, so, um, all right, David, and carry the one. I, I, if, if I do this and I push that off, then I probably could leave with this and it would just make her year. Let's see if we can do it. All right. She said, I mean, sure. But I said, baby, let's get it. And she looked at me. She said, you don't know how much this purse costs, do you? <laughs> and I said, no. And she, she looked at it and said, the woman said, uh, uh, I said, how much the purse cost? The woman said, 10000 I said, for a purse? <laughs> then what am I going to put in the purse? I mean... <laughs> If I put a, if I put my life savings in the purse, then what am I gonna do with the purse? I don't, I don't. What am I gonna do? And um, and so immediately when she said that about the purse, I said, well, let's go back to the scarf. <laughs> and then the scarf was four hundred dollars, and I was like, hold up, time out, time out. I can't pay four hundred dollars for a scarf. But they would not come down on their prices. They would not come down on their prices. They would not negotiate. Now, if I went to the flea market out Florida, I'm, I'm sure that I get only knockoffs of negotiate. You want to be authentic. You want to be rare. You want to be valued. Stop yeah. negotiating your value. Stop yeah. doing this and I can do it this time. No, I can't. No. no. You know what you never see a commercial for? You never see a Rolls Royce commercial. You see all these other luxury vehicles. But if you want to get to the upper end of luxury, you never see a Rolls Royce commercial. Either you want it or you don't. Either you can afford it or you can't. Amen. I don't have time for all this advertisement. That's the attitude. Because <laughs> it ain't for everybody. You have to make up in your mind that I'm not for everybody. So, yeah, something else to add to that? Let's go to the next question. This has been good, y'all. This has been good. Third question. How do I get my spouse to open up to me spiritually? 
I'll even give it to me first. Uh, I, I, I go first. Uh, I, I think first of all, you, you have to um, you have to discern, not discern. You have to uh, realize what your desires are versus um, your spouse' desires. You can have a desire for your spouse to communicate with you spiritually and talk to you spiritually and do all these things spiritually. And that was a good word at church. Let's talk about it more. But if that's not that person at that moment then you have to you have to understand that and you can't push a person into change you can pray a person into change you can love a person into change but you can't push them into change so sometimes we get a little impatient and we're like no you need to hurry up and learn some scriptures and you need to do like that and sometimes to be honest we're not really concerned about our spouse knowing god like that we just want the ideal of what everybody else in church got Everybody else got a spouse that show up with them to church, and I'm the only one that's not. I mean, just continue to intercede. Now, if you're not married, and you and that's a very big part, and it should be a very big part to every believer, your, your foundation in Christ and your relationship with God and growing in God, growing in Christ, should be a very big part. If you're not married, then you want to use that as one of your top standards. Yeah. You have to have... A active growing relationship with God before we get married. Yeah. Active. I mean, it's important. I mean, well, what church you go to? I haven't been in church in about five years. I used to go to church. I mean, but uh, but that's fine. Not a problem. Ain't nobody gonna judge you off that. Uh, I want to marry you, girl. I, I didn't say I was gonna marry. I said I wasn't gonna judge you. <laughs> I didn't say I was gonna marry you. I was saying we need to we need to grow. We need to get there because this is gonna be an important part of my life. Yeah. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked for a reason. The yoke is the thing that connects the two oxen together. And, and with the two strings, you turn the oxen to go in a different direction. If one ox turns, both oxes are turning. So all of this in your mind of saying that I can love him or I can love her and ain't nothing going to change. I'm still going to love God and they can do. No, you're going to turn. You're going to turn. And all of this in your mind of thinking, well, I could turn them. No. If you could do that, then do it before you get married. Amen. 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 Go ahead, first lady. Add to that. Um, I think and just opening up spiritually doesn't necessarily mean that every word that comes out of your mouth is going to be um, word for word scripture. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> right. Glory to God. You know, if you, if y'all go to church together, it may be something like, um, over dinner, when you're talking about other stuff, you can just bring up. I, I really enjoyed the service today, or um, that part about uh, David really um, encouraged me because whatever, whatever. You start the conversation with your spouse, and then you you give them an opportunity to chime in, or you can ask what they think about it, or even um, just coming to if it's your husband. I know men always like to feel like they're giving you advice. So you're like, what did you think about such and such and such and such? You know, it's a way to do it. You just got to maneuver that thing. Amen. <laughs> in, in, in other words, um, women, learn to use your gift of being a woman to draw out of him what you need or what you want. Yeah. Now, if you do all this drawing and it still don't show up, he ain't got it. Yeah. Let's just be real. He ain't got it. You can't can't squeeze blood from a turnip or something like that, huh? No, you can't. 
you can't you can't can't get blood from a turnip. So I mean, if 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 he if he's doing all this drawing and nothing comes out, he ain't got it. That's fine. He may be a great husband for the next person, but he's not he's not oh great wife. I remember for uh, single people for single people for married people for if married you're already people. married and. He, he has to have something. He has some type of moral belief, and if he brings out his opinion or his belief on a certain subject, you can say, "Okay, well, that's just like the scripture." Bam, you got it. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't shatter him at home and then expect him to open up either. I mean, every time he got something to say, you correct it because you're the more stronger person in Christ. No. Because you know more scripture. And now that ain't what that scripture really saying. See, the Greek word for that is the etio. <laughs> and what that actually means. No, no. no you, you, don't need, you don't need to make him or make her feel either one, him or her. You don't need to make them feel like they don't know. If, even if it's an elementary truth of what you always known. I mean, you grew up in church, so if you've always known it, then... I mean, glory to God. You ought to treat her like it's the most awesome thing. I think that's great. Yeah. That's a great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, getting um, uh, a scripture a day. I mean, a scripture a week to start meditating on and discussing. And I mean, you want to get those things. You want to put it in the proper perspective of saying, God, first of all, am I doing this with the right heart? Yeah. Because yeah. if I'm being condescending and arrogant and prideful, we wanting to pull. If I'm trying to pull my spouse up instead of lift my spouse up. Yeah. Yeah. See, in order to lift my spouse up, I have to get up under it, under yeah. under them, yeah. to lift them up. But to pull them up, that means that I'm over them. And that attitude is not going to get good results. Yeah, because anybody that feels like they have to defend themselves, it's not going to be appealing. They're not even going to want to participate in that conversation. It doesn't matter what it's about. Amen. Amen. Um, here's another one. Next question. Once the trust has been violated, oh, Lord. I didn't know we had this one on there. Oh, Jesus. Once the trust has been violated, how do I trust again? <sighs> I took the first, last one first. <laughs> I should have took the last one first. No. Okay. Once the trust has been violated, ugh. the question is do you want to trust again? Oh. You have to really ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Do I want to trust again? Do I want this relationship? Do I want this marriage? If the answer is yes, then God has already put inside of you everything that you need. And he's all powerful. So you go to God and you say, God, show me how to trust again. That's good. Lord, That's good. thank you for creating me a clean heart, free of unforgiveness. And bitterness, he said, all, let all bitterness and strife be put away from you. So you you pray, you pray hard because this is not an easy thing to do. I'm not gonna sit here and just be like, okay, just trust them again. Like you can do it, you can do it, but it's not easy, and it's a decision that you're gonna have to make every day, every day. Because when somebody violates us, that's a wound that has to be healed. You need healing from that. And depending on what has happened, you could even, um, we, we counsel people a lot where in marriage, if something has happened, trust has been violated. And you can almost feel like uh, you're going through symptoms of PTSD. Yes. Yes. Where you could be going along good and everything could be going fine through your day. And you see one little thing and it takes you back and you re- it reminds you of what happened to you. And you get mad all over again like it's the first time it happened to you. 
And so that's what you're going to have to fight. That's the battle. The battle is in your mind. Oh, he's going to do it again. Oh, she's going to do it again. She did it that time. She'll do it again. I cannot trust this person. That's what your mind is going to be telling you. But with God, you can do all things. And you can trust God. If God, if, if this is not the situation for you, if this is a dangerous situation for you, you can trust God to let you know that it's time to go. Or that you can stay and things can be repaired. I was, I was looking at a scripture and, and, and I always refer to this scripture, but it says, gird up the loins of your mind. To gird up a, the loins of your mind. Your mind is so important in the healing process. In the trusting process, it's hard for you to trust, to love with your heart, but not trust with your mind. So you you, you got to trust. When your trust has been violated, like you said, it's a healing process. Stuff has happened that, that replay in your thinking. It psychologically is being replayed. And if you're a woman, you're thinking a lot different than a man. A man, a man, we're tough, we're rugged, we're strong until we're hurt. And when we're hurt, man, we just like, the, the smallest thing just like, kill us and just like I can't believe Lord why me take me it just but 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 yet we, we we expect a woman to deal with so much and and then we get frustrated if you're the person if you're the person that has violated the trust you're gonna have to be patient with that person you're gonna have to be patient when they're up at night and they're thinking because their mind is just going, you got to be patient. You're gonna have to be, and you got to set up uh, things that will aid in rebuilding trust. Trust has to be rebuilt. Love is free. Never charge anybody for your love. Give them your love. Hey, I love everybody. You don't have to do nothing for me to love you. It's free. Trust is not. Love is free. Trust is not. So don't just give your trust away. Man, y'all quiet. Amen. Yeah, you can give me your love. Say, I love you. Amen. Glory to God. Not yourself, but you love. See, I, I trust. When you trust and you give, when it's been violated, you got to be patient. And then when you're the person that's hurt, you got to communicate that. Communication is so important in a relationship. You have to communicate that. Sometimes you have to say, hey, it's not me. It's not you. It's me. I'm still dealing with some stuff. I know, um, um, one of the things, just being transparent, one of the things was uh, that when you're coming home from work, well, like, just call and let me know that you're on the way. Well, I mean, you may be on your phone with your, your sister, your mama, anything, you pop up at the house, was like, why you didn't call and let me know you were on the way? Then I had to get to the point with Johnny, this is not her, this is you, this is something in you. And vice versa, it was, it was one instance, uh, um, um, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail about the instance because it's your instance, not mine. I shared mine. But it was one instance where something was going on with you and um, and you were like, well, no, we're not going to do that. And I was like, but why? I, it didn't make sense to me. Well, I'm not the one that has, the trust has been violated. Sometimes the trust doesn't necessarily mean in your relationship. Sometimes it means in previous relationships. Oh, I'll share. Yeah, so this is how the enemy works because okay he was saying on your way home call me on your way home from work because of things that he had dealt with well i was like i'm not calling everywhere i go because of things past relationships i deal. you trying to make sure 
where I am so you can do what you want to do. In a past relationship, that's how that was. So I had that struggle in my mind, and he had the struggle of, call me on your way home. I'm trying to run bath water. That's why, I mean, just simple stuff. See, the enemy, enemy do See stuff how like it works. That. Yeah. The enemy do stuff like, I'm, like I'm, I'm at home waiting on you. I just want to know when to expect, to expect my spouse. And it was just, he was working on both ends. Yeah. Uh, and until we communicated, we didn't know. So there are moments that things have happened. There are moments that we said stuff to each other and growing together that have left a scar. And then we have to say, all right, I'm dealing with something right now. Give me a little time to, to calm down. Give me a little time to, so that the trust can be rebuilt. You got to set stuff in place. I can't have violated trust with my phone and then I want to go lock up with my phone. I'm not helping your trust be rebuilt. Well, y'all, that, see, that's another thing we need to add to the list. We don't want to talk about the phones in church. <laughs> three things we don't want to talk about in church. Our phone, sex, and money. But we like a lot of all three of them. They're like, hold on, Bishop, no. Yeah, because no. If, if I really want the trust to be rebuilt, then I'm saying this here. Hey, listen, I, I, if I do have a code on my phone, if I have kids around and stuff like that, and I got to put a code on my phone, this is my password. Yeah. And you have access to my phone. Now, here's the key. You got to make sure it ain't nothing in your phone. <laughs> it's not a hard decision. It's not a hard decision. It's not. I mean, it's not a hard decision. It's just a matter of I mean, you can. You, you got access to it. Now, I mean, of course, you want to do that responsibly, and you don't want to just be the person of saying, being the phone police, bring it to me. Now, if you in, in in that relationship where you both have agreed to say, all right, we're not going to even concern ourselves with those phones. We're gonna concern ourselves. Just, just whatever in your phone is in your phone. I ain't gotta worry about searching it. You gotta worry about searching mine. We all right? Then great. I'm not telling you to change how you got your relationship structure, but if you are rebuilding the trust, then rebuild it. Rebuild. Help the person. Help the person. But you also gotta help yourself. Gird up the loins of your mind. Put a girdle on your mind so that the loose parts of your thoughts won't just hang free. Amen. The next one. It looks like we're getting close to closing out, too. The next one. How do I get closure from a past relationship? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> she said, come on, Bishop. Uh, first of all, you have, you, you're responsible for your closure. Let me say that you're responsible for your closure. You're responsible for it, not the other person. So you don't have to go meet with that person, talk with that person, fellowship, sit down. I just need a closure. You don't need that. If you really want closure, you can cold turkey. And you can say, all right, that's it. You know, here's the thing. If the relationship didn't work out, listen to me. If it didn't work out, listen to me, Linda, listen. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out for a reason. That's your closure. That reason. Whatever that reason is, that's your closure. You know, sometimes you get lonely and your vision get blurred again. And you need closure all over again because it snowed. 
it's a snow day and all of a sudden everybody else is cold and if I had somebody warm, it would be all right. And you need closure now. I would just call him to say, why didn't things work? No, no, you don't need closure. You forgot. He, t- he left you at work, didn't pick you up, had somebody else in your car, ruined your credit. I mean, or, or she did some things. I mean, whatever it is, it don't have to be nothing bad. You both decided to go your separate ways because you were not compatible. Whatever the reason, that's your closure. Remember why it didn't work. That's your closure. Amen. 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 Remember why it didn't work. Get control of your hormones. Get control of your thoughts. And remember why it didn't work. Okay. It didn't work. You won't ever work. I come home and all the time you want to be laid up on the couch eating cereal, playing the game. And here it is. I'm at work working two jobs. That's why we didn't make it. Okay, that's my closure. Yeah. Every time the enemy try to bring up a thought or every time my, my soul, because there are soul ties involved. Yeah. And soul ties are, are actually you connecting yourself. And, and from experience, this is a lot tougher with divorce than it is with dating. But it can happen. It can happen. You're responsible for your closure. If you're going to sit there and I mean, get, get rid of everything of that person. If you dated somebody, you were in a relationship with somebody and it's not there anymore, get rid of everything. Get rid of everything. I'm, I'm, I need closure. Then get your own closure. You're responsible for it. If you don't, then the person you get with or the person you're with, you're not going to be able to be loyal in your heart and in your mind with that person. So you got you, you just got to be real. You got to. I, I, there's no better way to say it. You got to be real with yourself. Here's my closure. It didn't work. Here's why it didn't work. This is it. Amen. And I need to remember that. Amen. I think you said it all. All right. <laughs> the next one. How do I deal? <laughs> Here go my question. How do I deal with a know-it-all? You want me to go first? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris and Jean found out who to know it all is in their relationship. It's one in their relationship. If you got a good relationship, it's two. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Hey, How man. do I deal with a know it all? You let them know it all. Let them know it all. You know, okay, go ahead. You know, okay, go ahead. And sometimes that's more difficult than not. So, if you, but seriously, if you know how, if you know you're dealing with a know it all, if you're going to make a decision, include them in the decision before you do it. Say, hey, what you think about this? And if you deal with a true know-it-all, sometimes they're going to say, you ain't know that? How did you? A I'm true only, know-it-all. I'm only asking you to get you involved because I don't, later I don't want you to come back and get involved. So, just like that. Yeah. That's so, you, he or she may not know what you're doing, but you're like, okay, come on, let me let, let you put your input in now at the beginning. I don't want you to come back saying, oh, I know. Like that. So that's how. Yeah, I didn't know she was doing all, using all these tricks on me. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I mean, just. I didn't me. tell them you was the knowing. Yeah, they, 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 they know I am. So, <laughs> so I'm talking about just getting me to go in the direction that she wanted me to go faster. And we just, I mean, and it, I didn't know she was using all these tricks and bring it to me and say, what you think about that? Here that's I am. Want to be. Oh, no, I ain't saying trick in a bad way. These gifts. <laughs> Let me say it that way. These gifts. Amen. I mean, because, I mean, if, if, if you're a know-it-all, first of all, you, if, if your spouse is a know-it-all, then you have to be, you have to choose your battles. Amen. Choose your battles. If you have a mansion that is on fire, your mansion, 
and right on side of it you have a shack that is on fire as well but you only have enough water to put out one which one are you gonna put out the mansion some fires you just gotta let burn out Amen. and you gotta say this is not even worth the fight okay all right you knew it and then when they when they when they come out and and, and you already knew it you can't throw it in their face and then when they say, you didn't know that, you can't come back and say, all right, I thought you knew. <laughs> if you're going to let them be a know-it-all, let them be a know-it-all. There are times you have to learn to compromise. You have to learn to say, is this a moment that, oh, it's just chicken. It's just chicken. I'm not going to sit in and argue how to cook chicken. We, we bake fish completely different. We bake it completely different. But anytime we eat it, it's delicious on whoever cook it. It doesn't matter. When we cook our fish, we do it and we prepare it in a different way. One brawl, the other one bake. Uh, so we brawl and bake. We, we put it in the oven. We, we, we dress it different, but it's good every time we eat it. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to change how you cook. I'm not trying to deem how you do the fish as not knowing how to do fish. Lord, teach my wife how to do fish. I thought you gave me somebody that was capable and helped me. You said the word help me meant suitable, adaptable, capable, and here it is, the girl can't bake fish. <laughs> no, no, because sometimes we call that person a know-it-all. Here's another thing. Again, at Solutions Counseling, we'll provide you with psychological techniques and biblical principles that'll help you with these situations. That's that commercial. Every now and then, the commercial pop up in the show. So we, we, we have ways of doing that. One of the ways we do it is through a personality test, and we should have did it with everybody today. We should have did it with everybody. They're going to come to the office for that. They're going to come to the office yeah. for it? Because in the personality test, sometimes you'll find out that your, your, your spouse is not a know-it-all. It's just their personality. Yeah. Like my wife's personality is a lion. That's the, that's the category of the personality. She's strong-willed. She hates red lights. She hates stop signs. She hates anything to tell her to stop, that she can't go. She always saying, but why? But why? You can't do that. Why? Why? And then she'll say, you're not the boss of me. Throw it up quick. That's her personality. Now, my personality is what is considered the, the man personality. This is all from Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 1. The man, the, um, the ox, the lion, and the eagle. And the eagle uh, personalities. My personality is a man, which means that I'm a social being. I, I, I have charisma. I like to have fun. I, make any, I don't care about what activity we do as long as it's fun. If it's boring, it's going to drive me. So I turn anything, I'm the life of the party, I'm going to turn anything into a joke. That's my personality. Sometimes we're married to people, we don't understand their personality. Yeah. So I might say she'll know it all when the whole time I might be presenting the situation wrong. Because now I want to call her names like a know it all, all because I don't know how to present to the person I'm married to. Amen. And then she want to call me a know it all when it says, no, you have to know who you're married. The Bible says that you are to dwell together according to knowledge. In other words, I can't know my spouse unless I become a student. And I got to pay attention and take notes. And I got to forever be a student of her. I can't be out here studying all these other women. I got to study the one I'm married to. And when I study her, I study what she likes, what she don't like, what irks her nerve, how she's changed over the years, and how she's grown, and how she's different now. And I, well, well, her favorite color was this, but now she started wearing this, and, and how she wants this, and how she wants that. And it would be a great thing for her that when Christmas time come around, I'm the one saying, we're going to get a tree today, instead of her saying, let's go get a tree, because I know she wants a tree by this time frame, because I've studied her that much, and I'm Amen. knowing her now. Amen. So she's not a know-it-all. 
she she sent me a thing that you know this thing we have in this church where we always bring up doing culture shift when the woman don't know what she want to eat and they become an argument. <laughs> what you want to eat? I don't know. Yeah. What you want to eat? I don't know. And they become an argument. She sent me a thing on how to do it, so I used it. Don't send me stuff on Instagram and don't think I'm not gonna use it. <laughs> she sent it to me. I thought it was a joke. She sent it. She thought it was a joke. She sent it to me instead of asking her what you want to eat because she never knows. Just say this to her. I bet you can't guess what I'm taking you to eat. And whatever she say, that's where y'all go. Yeah. <laughs> so I used it. Yeah. I used it. And she still didn't want that. It was something no, else. No, no. <laughs> the, the place I said, he said, okay, well, what about this? I said, I bet you won't take what we're going to eat. She, she, she named um, Taco I said, Jason's Deli. You said, what about... Yeah, I was Captain D's or something. No, I did. I said a restaurant. Like, oh, it don't even work. I said a restaurant. <laughs> we try to go out to eat. She was like, Jake's in Delhi. I was like, nah, we ain't going there today. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going there today. So, I mean, the thing is, when you're dealing with a know-it-all, just be humble. Be humble. If that's the only thing that's a problem in your relationship, you don't have a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. The enemy will make you think that's the worst thing in the world. It could be worse. They have husbands that fight their wives. They have wives that kill their husband in their sleep. They have husband and wives that cheat on each other and know they cheating on each other and okay with cheating on each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. And here it is. Here's your fuss with God. He's a know-it-all. She's a know-it-all. And God is saying, quit complaining. Love her. And when you said that, remember that you're not the smartest, smartest person in your marriage because if you are, then... You married now. Yeah. So... I mean, you're, you're, the input of your spouse, uh, they can have legitimate input. And if you just disregard it all the time, then you might miss something important. Let me highlight this before before I go off this point, because I didn't. The word know-it-all, is a, I should have put it in parentheses, because when we use it in a relationship, there's a, another way. Ms. Deborah, what's another way we could say that question? How do I deal with? Lord, see that? Because that's what we do. That's what we want. We want. How do I deal with Chris? What's another way we can say it? You're married, Jennifer. See, because that's the only. Because we hadn't taken time to break it down. What do we? What is a know it all? What is a know it all? A very Some, intelligent person. A very intelligent person who is very opinionated. It can be. It can be. A person that's very opinionated. We'll say that. A very opinionated person. But I say that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good thing. A person that's not afraid to express themselves. A person that that doesn't have a problem with expressing themselves. Okay. Now, the way that I present now, because if my attitude is going into this conversation or into this situation or into this marriage thinking, know it all, then I don't have the right attitude. And I'm, I'm, I'm shutting down. I'm shutting down now because I have in mind you're a know-it-all. So that person can actually give valid advice, valid directions and instructions. And I'm just shutting it down now. It can actually be legitimately good. And I'm shutting it down because of the term in my mind, know-it-all. Do not label your spouse. Because you will... You might want to write that down. Do not label your spouse because you will have to live up under. You will make them live up under. You will have to live up under those labels in your house. So if you label your spouse as lazy, every time you see your spouse, that's what you're going to see, that label. 
if you label your spouse as unfaithful and untrustworthy, even if they begin to rebuild the trust, you still going to see untrustworthy and unfaithful. Yeah. If you label your spouse as a know-it-all, the moment their mouth open, it could be about they could be about to give you a compliment. And you're going to say, I don't want to hear that. You'll know it all. Yeah. I believe that was it. Come on and give God a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. God, Did you get some of the answers that you were looking for? Yeah. Amen. All right. That's the goal. That's the purpose of Culture Shift. Normally, like I said, we would have people on the stage that would be up here with us that would be helping out with helping us out. Um, one group of people that I want to um, I want to take time in Mighty Marriage. Um, Travis, you going to the restroom? All right, I'm going to applaud you and Rashida. Travis and Rashida. Can, can, can you keep... Can, can, come on up. Come on up. Not a problem. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Two Sundays in a row. Glory to God. You're a member now. Trust your pastor. Trust your pastor. Amen. Trust your pastor. Now...